Hallelujah. You know, this church is fun. You know, some churches aren't all that fun. You can never say that when you're there because you're the speaker. So you got to be polite. But this church is actually kind of fun. Yeah. You guys have some actual personality. I like that. Okay, there's a fourth announcement. Everybody say four. Four. I couldn't resist. We have a little table, very small table out, kind of in the corner past the bathrooms. Uh, I brought a few items today. Um, some of them are very faith-building, okay? And some of them are based on seminars that are four sessions long, so they're very uh, impacting. We brought some really strong books. So if you're looking to be built up in your faith or looking maybe you need some emotional healing, we have some stuff out there. And we have some great uh, saints out there that will help you. So hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Church on the Rock. Thank you for your, the solid citizens that are here who are here because they love you. And they aren't kidding, they love you. And Father, I pray that you empower them, fill them with the word of God, fill them with strength and with faith, with your peace and with your joy. And Father, in Jesus' name, we dedicate these moments to you in the name of Jesus. So today, I know you've been talking about Abraham, and Abraham is one of my favorite people. And, you know, I was blessed to go to a church for 10 years where they talked about Abraham all the time. And at first, I was kind of like, you know, yawn, he's, you know, it's umpteen thousand years ago. I didn't really get it. But as I've learned more about Abraham, I've come to understand that we wouldn't really be sitting here if it wasn't for Abraham. God had to find, now this might sound strange to you, but God had to find a way back into the earth because Adam kind of sold it out, didn't he? And so what happened is, you know, I don't really, we're not going to teach this today, but you know that God gave the earth to Adam? You know that Adam was the intended prince of this world. And he, when he sold out, that's how Satan became prince of this world. He wasn't, Satan wasn't designated to be that. He, he took it by deception. So it would be like if I had a, a company with many divisions, and I had a son, and one of my divisions was in, we'll just make up this, Italy. And I signed, legally signed that division over to my son and sent him over there to run it. And after he was there a little while, a terrible gangster came who was very shrewd and very smooth, a smooth operator, and he convinced him of certain things and got him to contractually sign some documents where he lost his authority over the company. Now, what can I do? It was my company, but I've signed it over to my son. That's essentially what happened in the garden. Because through deception, Adam yielded to Satan, and to whom you yield, his servant you are, the Bible says. So thanks a lot, Adam. We love you and Eve. But because of that, it says through that one man, death passed on all men. Death really means separation from God. It's a living death. Remember God said, if you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll die. And you ever wonder, why didn't they die? Well, they did die spiritually. It was a spiritual death. So when the Bible talks about life and death, he's talking about alive to God or dead to God. So Adam, who had, think of what Adam had. He had a face-to-face -face relationship with the Father. God actually showed up in the garden and walked with him in the cool of the day. That's what we had. You and me, that's what we would have had. And so God now looks for a way to bring salvation and covenant back into the earth. He loves his children. He loved them then. He loves them now. But legally, you might say, well, is, can't God just show up and do it? He has all the power and might. He has all the power and might. But remember, God is bound by his word. So he bound himself by his word. Psalms 115 and 116 says, The heavens, even the heavens of the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of, the men, of men. That's you and me. rut -row. So if we complain about things on earth, a part of it, really a lot of that is because we as a church, not, not us here, but the global church has lost sight of walking in the type of authority that we're supposed to. Now the Bible says if you are of faith, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. So I love Hebrews 11 because it says by faith they subdued kingdoms. Is anybody getting something here? By faith, we can subdue kingdoms. By faith, we can take over what the enemy has done and take some of that back, right? By faith and by our words. You see, if you're a person of faith, you can't back down when things get hard. 
I was praying with a, a dear soul this week. It was a young man. He had been raised in a Christian home, a wonderful Christian parents. He'd been born again at his young age. And as a matter of fact, his, his uh, dad was pastor. And so he loved Jesus, and he had this great relationship. But in the last few years, things grew difficult. Things started shaking, right? Like the song, the, the rains came, the winds blew. But here's what began to happen. He began to question the goodness of God. He began to question if God was really with him. And eventually he began to question, does God exist? Now this is a born-again, spirit-filled saint of God that grew up in the faith. Do you know that the Bible says in the last days that the, there will be a great falling away? And do you know why? There will be some shaking. We've been so blessed in this country. We have, you know, in the old days they would say a chicken in every pot. I mean, if you don't have something, you know, most people can just go to the store, whip out their plastic and buy it, right? There's never, most of us have never known real hunger. But, but some countries, it's not so fortunate. And what I'm saying to you is, we don't know what we'll see ahead. I'm not a gloom and doomer, but I think there's some, some shakings on the horizon. We don't know when and we don't know what they'll look like, but this is what I do know. When I prayed for today, I saw a picture of God pouring cement down into us, laying a foundation that will not be shaken. Because in the last days, he desires for us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It says be instant, in season and out of season. In other words, when things are good and when they're not so good. Right? Before I understood this, I was shaken when bad things would happen. And I was moved because I didn't understand the reality of the word of God. That's one great thing about getting older. You get a clue. You know, because you go through enough stuff. Trials can actually be your best friend if you walk through them right. If you give up and wimp out and go in a corner and cry and call everybody for help and get into the self-pity thing, which I'm sorry to say is what I did because I was very foolish. And I, didn't, I, was, I didn't know better. But the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge will kill you. That's why God gave us the Bible, a user manual, right? And the purpose of that is so when trouble comes, you go, what do I do, what do I do? Oh, okay, here's what I do. Your feelings will not feel like it. Your feelings in a time of trouble can be your worst enemy. And they will say, well, yeah, I know God said that, but look at this and look at this and look at this. That's why it says walk by faith and not by sight. Are you in trouble? Do you have trouble on the horizon? Are you worried and focusing on the trouble? Stop it. Focus on what God has already done in heaven. Believe me when I tell you, that if you read the word of God, you'll come eventually, eventually, if you read it enough, you'll come to the understanding that God has already solved every problem you will ever have. Where is it solved? It's in heaven. He's already done it. Every spiritual blessing has been given to you in heavenly places. Every one. Even in the old covenant, he talked about this. Even in, even in Deuteronomy. You know, do, do any of you have any Old Testament buffs? In Deuteronomy, hallelujah. In, <laughs> I love when people say amen. So in Deuteronomy, this was actually a God thing. God had Moses separate the tribes six and six. And God did this. Now you have to remember that to the Jews, this Jews even up into Jesus' day knew all about this. We came into the New Testament reading stuff and having no clue what it meant because we didn't grow up at reading the Torah. You understand? So there's some things that we can't understand unless we understand what happened. So you've got to remember, a lot of what was written in the New Testament was written to people who totally got it. You know, we read and go, that's weird. Great. Well, what are they talking about? Okay. Here's I want to get to it. He had six tribes go up on one mountain and six tribes go up on another mountain. And he had them say specific words. You can go look at Deuteronomy about this. But the entire first half of the chapter says, if you will follow me, basically. I'm really paraphrasing here. But if you will follow me, I will, I will bless you going in, coming out. I'll bless your basket and your storehouse. I'll bless the fruit of your womb. I'll bless your flocks. I mean, on and on. All the blessing, 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 blessing. If you follow me, these are your blessings. And he had them go up and, and quote these as a covenant, it was a covenant, basically. God was saying, this is what I will do to the one who will follow me and obey me. 
Then he had this other six tribes say, but if you refuse, and then I believe, I figured it out once, it's about five times as long. If you refuse, these are the things that will come upon you. And it lists every, it literally lists every sickness known to man. It says, in case we didn't list any, every sickness that the Egyptians had. So now don't get scared. (laughs) I'm not putting you under the law. This is why you need to know it though. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law to those who believe. Christ fulfilled what we never could. The whole point was to bring him because God knew we couldn't do it. That was the whole point. We need a Savior. I need a Savior. It also says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, the Jews knew exactly what they meant, that meant. When, if they read the letters, right? If they read the letters of Paul, they would say, oh, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Do you know what's in there? Every sickness known to man. Poverty. Did you know that poverty was under the curse, not the blessings? Do you know that there's whole sections of Christianity that believe poverty is holy? It's not. In the olden days, the Jews knew that poverty, they began to say, well, maybe you're not close enough to God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying poverty is listed under the curse. Well, if Christ has redeemed me from the curse, that means he's promised to be my provision. He's promised to be my healer. Now, how did this happen and where did it happen? It happened on the cross. Jesus Christ was literally purchasing. He was going in our place to become the one that fulfills Deuteronomy 28. And Isaiah 53, he was doing it all for us because he knew we could never do it. (laughs) He knew we could never do it. And even if we managed to do it for a, a minute, you know, eventually we would screw it up. So what he did was he took it all, purchased it all, paid for it in blood and sealed it and said, it's finished. Now, why do you need to know that? Because in a time of trouble, right today, you might not be in trouble and you might go, oh, that's nice, amen, hallelujah. But when you get in trouble, I'm asking God that you will remember the word of the Lord. And you'll say, no, wait a minute. See, this young man that I prayed with, he actually began to question, is God with me? Does he love me? Is he even real? And he had known God, he had had encounters with God, he'd had relationship with God. Listen, humanity, we tend to go by our emotions. Can I tell you this? Take your emotions out back and burn them. Right? Because your emotions will often oppose what God is saying to you. Before I knew this, my life fell completely apart. I didn't know any better. And I got into self-pity, which is just pathetic where you think God should come and help you because he promised to and because he loves you and you're just so pathetic. You know what I found out? This is what, how God responded to that. Now, he loved me. But you know what God taught me? When you're in a trial, first of all, ask God what's going on. Don't just take it. Don't just take your lumps and go in the corner and cry and resort to your emotions. Begin to talk to the Lord and say, is there something you're trying to help me see? Because here's what I learned. The problem is never him. Ever. God is good all the time. In fact, the Bible says he's without variableness or shadow of turning. So if you could imagine a big sun lamp and you underneath it with this constant light and love and glory, never ending, never, never varies, never turns. There's never a shadow. It's on you all the time. And you say, well, why am I going through stuff? Because there's a lot that goes on between heaven and earth. There's a second heaven, right? They say the devils, that's where the devils reside. That's what they say. There's devils here on earth. There's people that cause trouble. But here's something else. There's decisions that happen that cause things to happen in the earth. There's all kinds of reasons why things go wrong, but it's never, ever because God doesn't love you. It's never, ever because he changed his word towards you. It's never, ever because he stopped a blessing towards you. Okay? But listen, a Christian who loves God and gets a little back said, let's look at David. God loved David so much, he said, this is a man after God's own heart. I mean, David had the seal of approval, right? And yet, in a day when the kings went to war, David didn't go to war. He was a king. He's up on the rooftop gazing at Bathsheba, right? 
as a result of that, he falls into sin, doesn't only mess around with her, arranges for her husband to go to war and get killed, so now he's guilty of murder as well, marries the woman. And it's one thing to blow it, but that's like he chose to blow it in a permanent way. This is a man that knew God well. He knew God well. Did he pay a price for that? Yeah, it got very dark for him. He lost his, his child. He lost the child from that. And he could say, where is God in all this? Well, honey, you made a choice. We love you, David. We'll still read the Psalms, but you made a very bad choice. And you've made a series of them, by the way. Do you know that some of what we suffer, we kind of unwittingly brought on ourselves? And I'm not saying it's always about adultery. Sometimes it's just about wrong belief systems. But when I went to God and I said, listen, you, you gotta, you got to help me. And he didn't say it that nice. He said, there's something you need to get. And when you get it, we'll go on. And until you get it, we will not go on. And I knew he was talking about faith. And one day he said to me, do you believe I am who I say I am? And he said it kind of in that tone of voice. If God ever speaks to you kind of in that tone of voice, don't answer too fast. He's, he's not saying, oh, you smart person, you know. He's basically rebuking. He's saying, think about it. Do you believe I am who I say I am? So I'm, I knew enough not to answer fast, and I knew enough to consider the question, and I took a look at areas of my life which were at that time completely destroyed. My life was pretty well destroyed in a lot of different areas. And I looked at it and I thought, well, let's be honest. See, a lot of people, this is what we do as Christians. We say, I'm believing for this, and I'm believing for that, and I'm in faith. But let me tell you something, a lot of people who say it aren't. Okay, and I was one. The only reason I know that, I learned all this looking in the mirror, so I'm not pointing any fingers. But what I discovered is it's easy to say I'm believing for, but deep down go, what the heck is going on, God? What's the deal? How come this? <laughs> and I was so ignorant that I thought, just because he, well, you promised it, why don't you do it? <laughs> the way God looks at it is, I did. I already bought it, paid for it, and delivered it, but you have to come and get it. This would be like me saying to you, I have deposited $1,257 in your account. And you, you waiting for me to bring it to your house. I can bring it to your house. I put it in your account. You have to go get it or at least go to the ATM. And if you don't, you ain't getting it. You understand? That's how heavenly things work. And how, what's the ATM? It's faith. You have to receive it by faith or it ain't coming. Self-pity won't do it. Crying in the corner won't do it. Calling the prayer chain won't do it. There are some things you got to believe that he is who he says he is. So I repented, and I repented very deeply. You know, there's, there's repentance, and there's repentance. And when he, he said that to me, he said, do you believe I am who I say I am? And I spent a real time, I was at, actually at work, and I was sitting at my desk, and I thought, you know, the truth is, I guess not. You know, because it says you love me, but it sure doesn't feel like it. And it says I'm healed, but it sure doesn't look like it. And I, deep down, I'm saying I believe because I'm in a faith church. <laughs> but by golly, I was kind of mad at God and hurt and wounded, right? Hurting. Because it went on eight years, right? Eight years. So poor me, poor me. You know what? In those eight years, God loved me nonetheless. He loved me all the same, but he wasn't moving. You know why? Self-pity doesn't move God. Whining does not move God. Begging does not move God. What he was telling me is faith moves God. I told you the system. When you, and, and you know what he was kindness? He didn't say this, but this is what he was really saying. You want another eight years? You can keep it. You could have walked out four years ago or six years ago if you'd have gotten a clue. As soon as you are ready to believe what I have said, you will walk out of this. It's up to you how long you stay in the swamp. Now, I didn't know then what I'm telling you now. I've gotten this over many years, okay? But I made a decision that day, and I was at, sitting at my desk, and the rug at work was kind of a greenish blue. That's going to sound strange, but I said, Lord, from this day, I'm making a decision that I don't care what it feels like, I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to choose, choose, choose to believe your word. Choose. It's a choice. Faith is a choice. And I said, I'm not just going to act like it. I'm going to walk like it, I'm going to talk like it, but I'm going to choose to believe it deep down here. And if you tell me, if your word tells me that that carpet is red, I don't care what my eyes tell me, I'm going to choose to believe it's red. And I began to watch my life turn around like a great ship. 
And I went from being the most abject failure of a Christian you've ever seen, pathetic, dweeby, weepy, whiny, self-pity, to being really honestly one of the most victorious people I know. I'm not victorious because I'm doing anything right. I'm victorious because I get it now. And when trouble comes, God wants you to pull the scriptures out and say, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to believe? By his stripes you were healed, past tense. When was I healed? At the cross. How do you receive it? You say, you know what, I'm going to believe that. I've got this, this pain thing screaming at me, right? But the fact is, in heaven, he already sees you as healed. Do you know that you couldn't be, say you wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't have faith. You wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't have the measure of faith. First of all, you had to believe that God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Not a punisher, a rewarder. And so if your feelings start to tell you, I don't think God loves me, your feelings are lying to you. And at that point, you have a choice to make. You know, some people can make an idol out of their emotions. Did you know that? I used to. I, well, I know your word says this, but I see this, I feel that, it looks like this. Where is God? As though God's sovereignly going to come in on a white horse and fix my deal. He already did. He already did. He already came and fixed it, and he's looking for me. See, we, we are so entitled. We just want God to fix everything. That's called entitlement. And you just think somebody else is going to fix your every little thing. No, we have an obligation to the Father to believe what he said. Now, here's something for you. What I discovered was by my behavior, I would have never thought this, but by my behavior, I was essentially calling God a liar. Because I was saying, yeah, I know your word says that, but. Oh, okay, so let me get this straight, Holly. Because you don't see it and you don't feel it, I've lied here. I've lied. God cannot lie. So now I have a choice. Who am I going to believe? Let God be true and every man a liar. And once I got a hold of this, I realized I could make a choice to choose to believe. I don't know how he's going to work this out. I'm not going to tell him how, but I'm going to believe that he's already got it figured out and he's good enough and smart enough and big enough to tell me or fix it or show me what I need to correct. And since I started looking at things that way, I've been blessed. It doesn't mean trials don't come. Trials still come to everybody. Trials come to everybody, right? We want it to be perfect. But here's what I learned. They can't touch you if you won't yield to them. If you even smell a trial coming, if you even think a trial's thinking about coming, immediately check in, God, is there something you're trying to show me? Is there something I need to deal with? Is there something I need to adjust? Am I looking at things wrong? And what I found out is most of them will never show up at your door. It's the truth. It's the truth. So I, I picked up this little book called I Heard God Laugh, and it's really a ABC's kind of book. <clears throat> but I felt, I felt prompted to get it. And this young man went to, he was in high school, and he wrote it as an older man, but he, he went to high school, and it was very hard, and he was struggling a lot. And he was getting really frustrated, and an older man said, listen, you'll walk by the church every day on your way to school. Just stop in. Just on your way to school, just stop into the church and just say a prayer before your day. It'll make your life go easier. Well, he, he blew it off and thought, you know, just, eh, what does he know? He blew it off, but his life got so bad that he decided one day to stop in at the church. He didn't even pray. He didn't know God. He wasn't born again. He just sat in the back, but he said as he sat there, a peace began to come. He began to see things about his day, and he started to go every day. He didn't pray. He just sat there, and a peace would come, and his day would go better. And then he began to talk to God and say, God, I need this, and God, would you do that for me, and do this and do that, and he was telling God essentially what to do to fix everything. <laughs> then he said he, he didn't even realize how bodacious that was. I don't think he used that word, but, you know, how rude kind of here. You know, we got the God of the universe, and we're telling him what to do and how to do it, by golly. But then he said, the day came when he said a sentence that changed his life, and he said, God, what do you think I ought to do? He said his life began to change. Because that's the question we need to be asking. We don't need to be telling God what to do and how to do God, I need you to fix this because then I'll be happy. I need you to fix my spouse. I need you to fix my kid. I need you to let me get past that test. Well, what if that's not his path for you? Uh-oh. So you're telling him the plan for your life. 
He said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and you won't do the things I say? In fact, some of you don't even check in. Not talking to you, just saying. <laughs> we need to be checking in all the time, and the more you check in, the more victory you walk in. And you might say, well, I don't hear from God. You don't need to hear prophetically. It's called a relationship. And what you need to do is sit with him and just say, can you show me what to do in this situation? I have a situation. Make up your mind that whatever he tells you, as long as you're sure it's him, you'll do it. And then you just lay it on the altar. Usually within 24 hours, he will find a way to get the news to you. In fact, I'm convinced there wouldn't be any atheists if people would say, God, if you're real, show me. And if you're real and you show me, what do you believe? That's how I got that's how I got saved. What do you think about this, God? And if you're if you're a God, are you are you a Jesus guy? Are you a Buddha guy? Who are you? And and is, did you write the Bible? I mean, that's how ignorant I was. Did you write the Bible? I wanted to know. God will find ways to get the news to you, even if you don't hear, because He loves you. You need to know that no matter what kind of day you're having, God loves you. He cares very deeply about you personally. You're not just something that happened. There's no accidents. Somebody in here, you thought you were an accident because, you know, your parents may have told you that. Listen, there's no such thing. You may not have been ordained by your parents, but I promise you were ordained by God. And I'm telling you that in heaven, there's a blueprint for your life. And it's not a legalist thing. None of us have truly exactly gotten our blueprint right right but there's a scripture that fascinates me when god was giving them the 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 plans for the temple he said be careful to build according to all the things you heard on the mountain did you know that you're here for a reason and through faith and through relationship how about abraham abraham there's a scripture that delights me it says that he by faith he left and he went when he didn't know where he was going you know why he didn't know where he was going because god said Leave this land, leave your father's house, and go to a place I will show you. Well, where's that? Well, I'll show you. Well, when are you going to show me? I've got to I pack my bags. I've got to leave at 4 in the morning. I don't know which way to go. I'll show you. Do you know that coming here, I prayed, I prayed, and I prayed, and I couldn't get a message? You know, I don't really need a whole message, but a, a springboard would be good. An idea, a thought, a scripture, something? <laughs> Nothing. I went to bed last night. No message. You know what I said? I trust you, God. I know that when I stand on the platform, he will give me what to say because it's not my job, it's his job. You see, part of our problem is we've made too much of it our job. And if you're doing his job, you'll fail at it and wonder why isn't it working. But if you can grow to a place, it takes a while where you grow to a place where you figure out what's his job and what's your job and you don't do his and you do do yours. There's definite things we're supposed to do, but we've been too busy doing God's job, telling him what the plan is. You don't know what the plan is. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't. <laughs> I've been in ministry since 1989, and I still learn every year new things that God has called me to do that I didn't know I was supposed to do. New stuff every year. I, oh, I didn't know we were doing that. Why? Because a blueprint, just like a house, it has a foundation, it has a basement, it has a first floor, it has a second floor, it has closets. There's all kinds of stuff in your building that you haven't yet seen. Come on, you got to get the plan from God. And you have to believe that he and you together, you can't do it for him. You can't do Christianity for God, it's not possible. He does Christianity through you, that's the plan. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Jesus doing the works through you when you can't. That's called the grace of God. Doing things through you that are absolutely impossible. You can do the not possible every day if you learn how to let him do his job through you. Jesus wants to glorify himself. He's not about glorifying you. He's about bringing glory to the Father. So it's pleasing to him to use somebody in the gifts. It's pleasing to him to use somebody in prophecy or in healing. It's, it's pleasing to him because it brings glory to the Father. So, you know, I was so ignorant at one time. I used to say, well, I don't know if God would want to use me in the gift. God wants to use all his children in the gifts. 
all the time. Because it's, it's not that it glorifies you, and it's not that you earned it, and it's not that you're good enough. They're called gifts for a reason. They're gifts. <laughs> they're free. And they're actually free for all. So if we ask God to help us understand, why am I here? What am I here to do? Help me see my blueprint, and then help me build it with you, right? Because you can't even build it. I can't even build it right, right? Sometimes I can't even remember it right. But here's what I learned. When we walk with God in faith, he releases himself through us. That's the plan of God. That's why Paul was powerful. That's why Peter was powerful. At first, Peter was not only not powerful, he renounced Christ. He was terrified. He didn't want to get killed. He knew, he knew what was in for those that followed Christ. So he said, I tell you, I don't know the man, right? But after Peter repented, it says that he became so powerful that people were striving to get in his shadow that they might get healed. How would you like it if your shadow healed the sick? How would you like that? I mean, I would tell you something, that'd be a blast, wouldn't it? And you'd know, and, and even Peter knew. He, he understood the system now. He got it. it. It proves it in Acts. They came upon the gate beautiful, and here's a man that's been crippled from birth. He's, he's 40 years old. Everybody in town knows him because he sits there every day begging for alms. They show up at this gate, and this man is looking at them, hoping to receive something from them. And Peter and John are together, and Peter says, look at us. You ever have somebody in the spirit do that to you? It's a little bit, <laughs> look at us. He says, look on us. The guy looks at him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. He grabs his wrist, jerks him up, and the guy's healed in midair, right? Up, healed. He goes through the temple walking, leaping, and praising God. Now let me ask you something. Where was the prayer in that? Oh, Father God, if it be thy will. No, he said, what I have, I give you. See, he understood what he had was Jesus Christ on the inside, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then when they came and they started, first of all, they got mad at him and they beat him up, right? So is those. But he said, why do you look at us as though our power did this? You know, he wouldn't take the credit for it. He totally understood it was Jesus. He said, it's his name through faith in his name that healed this man. You get it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And whether you're looking to heal the sick or raise the dead or just live a solid Christian life in victory, pay the bills, take care of your children, raise a family that's strong in the Lord, do a Bible study, it doesn't matter what it is. The grace of the Lord is upon you to do it if you will do it with him and allow him to do it through you. What does that require? Time on your knees, time with him saying, what are we doing here? What do you think I ought to do? And for most of us, that hasn't become a habit. When that becomes your habit, it, it gets to be like what you do. It can become as normal to you as breathing. What do you think I should do? Somebody's coming to dinner. I'm a lousy cook. What do you think I should do? Should I go buy dinner? Or are you gonna, and you know what he'll do? He'll teach me how to make something, and he'll make it better than anybody. And I'll think, God did that. I'm telling you right now, God did that. That's just not my thing. It's not my, some people are gifted with that. I'm not. But here's what I learned. It doesn't matter if it's my gift or not. If I let him do it through me and give him the honor and credit for doing it through me, he'll do anything through me. That means you don't have to fail at anything. This is so, I'm telling you, this is great. This is the way to live. So when, when troubles come, remember and even before they come, just develop a habit of saying, God, how should I do this? How should I do that? How should I run this meeting? Right? Because we assume so much. Part of our problem is we assume that we're supposed to do things the way they were always done. Bad idea. Has it worked so great the way it was always done? Not really. Right? And so the apostles didn't do that. All they did was what they'd learned from Jesus. And they went everywhere bringing revival. Here's Philip, right? I think Philip was, just, Philip was just part of the helps committee. And the Lord speaks to him and says, go down this road. And he goes down this road and he comes across the treasurer of Ethiopia. The guy was the treasurer to the queen. Come on, that sent the entire gospel to Ethiopia. The guy's reading Isaiah and doesn't understand it. Philip explains it to him. The man gets saved and says, here's water. What prohibits me from being baptized? Philip baptizes him, and while they're in the water, 
Philip's gone. Poof. Come on. Christianity is a lot more fun than we've given it credit for. He was found at Azotus. I think that's about 13 miles away, if I remember right. He, poof, what, what happened there? See, he lived a different lifestyle. What do you think I should go down this road? Sometimes, if you ask God in the simple things, you'll see big things. If you ask him simple decisions, simple choices, and you may say, well, I don't hear well, listen to me. You may because you're not asking enough. Just saying. I, I'm one of those people that I didn't know how to do Christianity. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I thought that the churches were not saved. I got saved, and I had gone to this church where I was, it was deeply religious, and they preached politics. And even at the age of five, I remember thinking, I don't know God, but I'm pretty sure they don't know God. So when I got saved, I really thought churches didn't know God. So here's me. And I, I did figure out the word, the Bible was written by him. I did figure that out. So I'd come home from work at right night and I would read and read and read and read. I couldn't get enough. I would ask questions and he would show me in the word. I would ask questions and he'd show me in the word. I would ask questions and he'd show me in the word. I didn't hear a voice, not until years later. But what I learned is that the God of the universe wants to talk to you personally. He wants to help you with your every little thing. Do you have a problem, whether it's big or small? Put it on the altar. Ask God what to do and let him help you. Let him help you. God loves you so much. Okay, I'm going to have the, the worship band and the prayer team come up. I'm kind of closing up, and uh, the prayer team will come, and they'll be able to pray for you too. Father, I just thank you for your people. And I pray, Father, that they will become, each and every person in here, will become so strong in your word and so strong in faith and so strong in choosing, choosing, choosing to believe your word that when the enemy comes and tries to deceive them or trick them or make them feel badly, they'll say, oh no, it is written. Nope, nope, it's written. No, sir, it's written. And that they will do that. And if there is a shaking, that they will remain. That they'll be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, do we have our worship band? Somewhere? There you are. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for letting me come. I love coming here. I feel like I'm kind of home. Not everywhere I go is so friendly. So God bless you, and we'll just let the worship team close.
two or three are gathered, you are here, you are present, you are speaking, God. Help us to listen closely and to walk out of here changed. Let our faith be stronger, let it be bolder, let us be more courageous, Lord. Help us to obey what you are calling us to do. Help us to walk in your ways, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? It's so good to be in the house with you this morning. God is so good, and y'all are amazing. Uh, altar teams are going to stay up, and we're going to play for a little bit longer, but you guys are dismissed, uh, and we'll see you next week.